Hey friend, and welcome to episode 103 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is honestly a little all over the place, but in the best way possible. You know those conversations with a good friend that start at point A and then meander all over the place, taking detours and rounding corners, catching up and touching on a little bit of everything, all of it equally meaningful and memorable? You don't even make it to point B, but where you ended up was so much better than you could have anticipated. That's exactly what today's conversation with Rhiannon Bossy felt like. Re, as she's often called, Re and I met a year ago on a sunny, crisp, cool day in the courtyard of the Il Mercado, a gorgeous Spanish colonial-style venue situated in the Lower Garden District of New Orleans. It was day one of the School of Styling, a one-of-a-kind business and styling intensive for creatives, and Re and I were both on the agenda as speakers. Although our busy schedules didn't allow us to connect as much as I would have liked while we were both in New Orleans. Fortunately, once the School of Styling ended and Rhea and I went our separate ways, we continued to stay in touch over Instagram and a friendship blossomed and bloomed in the DMs. Everything from business to motherhood to work-life balance, raising toddlers, priorities, and more have popped up in our conversation throughout the past year. And I'm absolutely delighted to share my conversation with Re with you today. So let me officially introduce you to Rhiannon Bossy. Rhiannon Bossy is a multifaceted creative entrepreneur with a passion and talent for elevating the ordinary. She's spearheaded Rhiannon Bossy celebrations for the last plus decade, planning and floral designing one-of-a-kind weddings and events around the world. Her accolades have been mentioned on the best of lists with Vogue, Brides, The Knot, Martha Stewart, and the Grand Rapids Business Journal. In 2018, she launched an artisan soap-making business with a focus on all-natural, handmade, cold-processed soap. Her soap bars have been used and loved in thousands of homes since her inaugural launch and offer customers a joyful and natural approach to a utilitarian part of the everyday. Personally, Rhiannon finds joy in spending time with her two little boys and her husband, Andrew. Whether it's building a Lego city, baking another loaf of fresh sourdough, or finding the best places for another game of hide-and-seek, she delights in simple pleasures, memory-making, and moving slowly when warranted. She hopes to one day retire in Seaside along 30A. In today's conversation with Ree, she shares how she runs two very different businesses while raising her two boys. She'll tell us how she creates monthly magic and memorable experiences for her family. You'll hear why different stages and phases of life can affect the quality of our friendships and our sense of community. And she'll also share her perspective on how social media has affected authenticity, motherhood, and perfectionism, and how to bring more intention to what you share online. And speaking of being more intentional, one proven way to bring more intention, focus, and even organization to your life is through journaling. 
Seriously, there are so many benefits to keeping a journal. Less stress, more creativity. Journaling can boost your mood, keep your memory sharp, and even improve your self-confidence. So you might be thinking, okay, sure, all of that sounds fantastic, but how am I supposed to have time to keep a journal when I have 50 million other things to do? I feel you. The answer? Keep it simple. If you want to journal, but you're short on time, my friend Krista Hutchins has you covered with her Move Forward Line a Day journal. The Move Forward Journal is simple and slim and comes in three styles, and they're all shades of blue, which you know I love. Big blank pages can feel intimidating sometimes, so the Move Forward Journal has small spaces to write just a sentence or two each day. Jot down something you're thankful for or your favorite memory from the day, maybe something funny that one of your kids said, or use it as a place to capture your prayer requests. The Move Forward Journal is available starting at only $10 for a printable, fillable PDF, or you can grab the standard hard copy for $12 or the deluxe for $20. And you can use the code ANNA20, A-N-N-A-20, at checkout to save 20%. Head to Krista's website, doanewthing.com forward slash journal to choose the Move Forward Journal that's best for you. That's doanewthing.com forward slash journal. Make sure to use the code Anna20 to save 20%. And I will be sure to share that link in the show notes. And by the way, today's show notes can be found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 103. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Ree. Welcome to It's About Time. I am so, so excited that you're here today and so thrilled about our conversation. How are you doing? I am good. I'm so excited to be here too. I know we've had so many off conversations, not on the air about different topics that we're both passionate about and it's exciting to be here to dive into them. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so glad that you said yes and that you're giving us some of your time. And as we kick things off, I kicked off the show by sharing your official bio and, you know, telling everyone about you and what you do. But I would love to hear in your own words, how do you spend your time? Yeah, what a loaded question, right? So <laughs> I feel like my time is just like jam-packed right now. Like we're making the most of time right now. I am a mom of two little kids, one who just started kindergarten and then another who's in preschool. So I have two boys. One is six and one is almost three. I'm sorry. One's almost six. One's almost three, but I kind of round up in ages Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I have two different businesses. And well, my kindergartner is at school five days a week from basically 830 to three. My preschooler is only at preschool three days a week. And it's really tricky right now trying to piece together all of the things I need to do and the amount of time I have to do them. Yeah. I 
I feel like a lot of my time right now is spent trying to be like a magician of how to make it work in the the best way for me. It, it feels like we're getting into a groove and a routine right now where there's a good divvying up of professional responsibilities and commitments along with a savoring, if you will, of the home life and the mom time and the, the husband time and the reading a book, taking a hot bath, whatever, you know, fun things I do for myself. So right now my time is just really being spent to the the fullest that I can and just trying to figure out the best way to go about doing that. Mm-hmm. Squeezing every ounce of juice from your days, it sounds like. Yes. I mean, that's like, there's really not like free time right now. And that's something I would love to work on. And I, I, I think that's the the thing every woman and mom, working mom is maybe trying to do is like, okay, where can I find slivers of time, like my fringe hours, so that they can mm-hmm. add up to something substantial. And I, I think that's like the, the magic question. So I'm, I'm still working on that. But I think from like a 30 foot view, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> I think that you're doing just fine. And I love that you called it being a time magician. So tell me a little bit more about what work looks like for you. Tell me about your businesses and how those fit into your week. Yeah. So my first business is the one I've had the longest, about 11, 12 years now. And I am a wedding florist and designer. So when my business started, I was a wedding coordinator and planner that evolved into designing weddings. And then it evolved into being a florist for weddings, all on top of planning weddings. And a lot of those weddings in the first few years of my business were destination. Mm. So I was, I'm, I'm from Canada. I'm Canadian. And I started my business while I was still living in Canada. Then we moved to Chicago shortly thereafter, like within a month. And then within six months of moving to Chicago, we moved to Michigan, which is where I met my husband and where he's from. So in the first like year to two years of my business, I had weddings in Toronto, Chicago, and Michigan, which are three completely different markets, places, demographics. And that that was really helpful. While it was challenging, it was also helpful because it allowed me to get a lot of weddings in cool places and doing weddings in faraway cool places really helped me grow my skill set for mm-hmm. becoming a really efficient wedding planner because I was dealing with a lot of tricky logistics that maybe you don't have to deal with with a local wedding if you're a local vendor. Yeah. And it just helped me kind of jump in cannonball real fast to the wedding waters. It was in 2019, uh, before COVID, before we have en- had any inkling of a pandemic happening, that I felt like okay, when I look at the things I'm good at and the things that bring me joy in my work, planning weddings is not it anymore. Mm. And a lot of that had to do with having two little kids and not Mm -hmm. having any family around or really in the picture to be present with my kids and help. It also came with this, not midlife crisis in any way, but just this like awareness that life is really short. You know, we're getting a little bit older how how do I want to spend my time? Because it's not renewable, right? Mm-hmm. And is filling my day with this job that I, I like and I'm good at, is that like the best use of my time? And mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't, but I still really loved the flower side of things and the designing of the events. And that's the part that really make me and my team come alive. So I decided in January of 2020 to make the announcement that we wouldn't be planning weddings anymore, but we'd still be offering standalone floral services and our design services to those that want it. And announced that in 2020 and didn't take any 2020 weddings to prepare for that. And then literally two months later, COVID hits. Wow. As you know, like the wedding industry completely turned upside down. We still have 
pretty severe supply and demand issues, especially in the floral market. There's a labor shortage, so catering teams are really struggling. Venues are just bogged down with like four to five weddings a weekend when they typically do one to two. Yeah. So that was a really big blessing. And I I hate to say that was a blessing in a year that was so terrible for so many people, but you have to find the silver lining. Yeah. And I, you know, I stayed home with my kids for eight months and I learned to bake bread and I made a fort in the woods with my boys (laughs) and we, you know, trucked to the beach at least a dozen times, just me and the two of them. And at the time they were, you know, one and a half and yeah, one and a half. And I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It feels like so long ago, right? And he's almost three. So we just, we made so many great memories and I really had an eye-opening experience of like, okay, this is how I want to spend my time. And when we do go back to, you know, air quote, what is normal Normal. again, how do we find like a mix of what we gained in the pandemic Mm -hmm. versus what we are getting back from pre-pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's amazing. I only had one child when the pandemic Started. Right? Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it's like we've, changed we've a lot. been in this for a while now. So mm-hmm. anyways, in the process of last year and also figuring out, okay, where's this business going to go? It was starting to focus my marketing efforts on, you know, transitioning away from being known as a planner that does flowers to... And actually, I have a question for you here. Yeah. I would love for you to clarify, just in case anyone who's listening is kind of scratching their heads, what What's the difference between a wedding planner and a wedding designer? And how, like, what exactly was that shift? Yeah. So a wedding planner is basically like the captain of the ship. So they are kind of your right-hand gal or guy. They're helping you make decisions. You're very relationally close to that person. They're in charge of your team of vendors. They're there every step of the way with you. They're usually hired right after an engagement, sometimes before, and they're helping you spearhead everything from start to finish in the wedding planning process. When I was planning weddings, I was giving my clients on average 400 to 500 hours of time. It was a really big commitment. Sometimes it was a year to two years of time together. It's, It's a big job. It's a big job emotionally. It's a big job mentally. And you have to be very, very organized and just a lot of different skill sets relationally to do that job well. Designing, on the other hand, uh, a bit of a gray area, but when we design for clients on top of providing them with flowers, we're really looking at the wedding from an aesthetic uh, lens, if you will, coming on board and not just dropping centerpieces on a table, but Mm -hmm. looking at the table as a whole and saying, okay, based on your centerpiece of blush and yellow roses, we suggest this linen and we want to make sure it's the right size according to the table you're using, that it coordinates with the chairs, that the menus going at each place setting match the napkin, that we're folding the napkin the right way to accommodate the size of the menu, that the candle color coordinates with those yellow roses. Everything is really, you know, considered from like a broader view, if you will, so that it fits with the venue vibe, that it fits with the the time of year that the couple's getting married. We're really looking at all the aesthetic details from candles to rentals to time and place to textures to tones so that the flowers really shine in the bigger picture. We're really a lot more involved and almost like a wedding planner for the pretty details. And that's been a, a really cool way to still use our logistical talents and still use our you know, decade of experience planning weddings and not just like putting that in a back pocket for another day. It's a great way to still 
kind of capitalize on that skill set we have and really allow our flowers to shine in a way that they otherwise wouldn't. So comparing it to a movie, the wedding planner is like the director who is in charge of all of the logistics and the operations, but the wedding designer is really more like the set designer who is creating the overall look and feel, still being involved in logistics, but making sure that they are creating a cohesive vision based on the bride and groom. Yes, definitely. And it's it's also important that the set director and the producer work in tandem together because there is a gray area of, you know, a timeline or what a planner is doing overlapping with what a designer is doing. Mm-hmm. And and it varies from planner to planner. Some planners are more involved than others. Uh-huh. So there's there's really, it's case by case how that relationship unfolds. But, you know, we try to do our best given the different circumstances. So. Yeah. so you made the decision to move away from wedding planning and more toward mm-hmm. wedding designing. And what was the biggest factor in that decision? I felt like the emotional expectations that were put on me from my clients and also a little bit of expectations put on myself yeah. were taking too much of my time. Mm-hmm that was starting to bleed into my personal life Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like a natural transition and time for me to almost step back and let other people step in and like take those clients, right? And I'm I'm pretty self-aware and I just felt like there's no reason to force this anymore when there's this other side of my business that I do really enjoy and and am hungry for. Mm-hmm. But then also, and this goes back to your first question, I have another business and I yes. thought, well, another business, then here's all this time I can like devote to that business too. So that was another reason that that shift felt okay and felt less scary, if you will. I think, and I think too, and this is just me being very honest, I think the hardest part and for me, what took me the longest to actually make this decision because I felt this itch in 2018 But I think the hardest thing was my ego Mm -hmm. was really just resisting the entire transition. And Mm -hmm. when I finally was like, okay, ego, like we're doing it, the the jump was really easy and not as scary. So anyways, then I have this other business where I make soap. I make all natural handmade soap. And that was just a very serendipitous stumble, if you will, into this business that sells soap. And that's a long story for a different day. But yeah, I have this soap making business and I make soap in my studio and um, I'm very passionate about it. I have quarterly capsule launches, so mm-hmm. I don't have a constantly stocked shop where you can just go buy anything at any time and I'm just always at the post office mailing things. I was very intentional about how and when I wanted to sell products so that I, I didn't become so tied to this business that again, like the joy was lost out of it. So what I do is I set dates based around holidays and when people would want to shop for gifts and things like that. And then I make as much soap as I can and then I sell as much as I can and then I do it again for the next date. And that's been a really fun, financially successful side business that really inspires the flower ends of things because the the soaps I make are so aesthetically pleasing. I like to make them look really beautiful and find this balance between science and art mm-hmm. when it comes to such a utilitarian object. When everyone needs soap, we all need to wash ourselves. And yeah, so the, the businesses both inspire each other and they're both very hands-on and they're both very messy. But, you know, there's a, there's challenges with running two different businesses, especially when one is so relational and one mm-hmm. is so, you know, product-driven. But I'm having a fun time trying to 
make the best of it and make them both work because I, I do love them both dearly. Oh, I love that. And it does sound like they are both, they're, they're very synergistic. One inspires mm-hmm. the other. And I was absolutely going to ask or point this out that you're not just making soap. You said the, the intersection of science and art, they're beautiful. I actually have a bar of your florist soap uh, in, so in the shower right now. <laughs> I love it. And awesome. It is. It is such a treat. And it, it really is. It's it's beautiful. And it's just takes something simple and elevates it with yes. really great ingredients. Thank you. Very yeah. simple, sustainable ingredients. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> those are my two businesses. It's like when people ask me, well, what do you do? I'm like, I just want to say, just make up something that seems really simple because it's often small talk yeah. where that's nice, right. Like it's not in a capacity like this where I'm sitting down and there's time to dive in. Yeah. And I think that question is also often asked as a formality and not so much as a genuine um, interested, like, hey, how can this lead to a conversation? Right. So when I say, oh, I'm a floral designer and a soap maker, <laughs> like things I never thought I would say, but here we are. Right. So. And, and it really can cause people to make all types of assumptions whenever they hear that quick, oh, I'm a this. People then begin, their wheels start to turning about what they think that means when they're not truly interested in digging deeper to find out the whole story. Right. And I also think it's a slippery slope to categorize or familiarize ourselves with people based on what they do. Mm-hmm. I think we're just so much more than that. So I wish we would normalize asking people like, maybe who they are or what they like instead of what they do. Because I don't, I don't just make soap. Like if my days were just making flowers and soap, well, that would be lovely. But you know, I've got bombs to wipe and snacks to make and literally like sweeping the floor three times a day because there's cheese. It's everywhere. Like right. there's so many other things that are who I am and that I do that I can't even scratch the surface and answering that question correctly, you know? Yeah, because it's not a surface question. That's why I love asking, how do you spend your time these days? Because it opens up so many different directions and you are able to go in whatever direction feels right for you. And speaking of different directions, you've told us about the wedding designer, the floral and wedding designer side. You've told us about the soap making re. Tell me about re just at home. Tell me about what life looks like with your boys and your husband in Michigan. Yeah. So I love being at home. I'm a homebody through and through. I have done, I think, a really great job and at least put a lot of intentional effort into having a home that feels really beautiful and special and cozy and welcoming Mm -hmm. so that when we are here in our home, we don't feel overwhelmed with clutter. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly messes. So I'm not saying our house is like a pristine state of organized, clean bliss every day. But we like to try and keep, you know, our toys to a minimum so they aren't overwhelming our kids that they don't even want to play with. We try to keep, you know, everything really inviting when it comes to like sitting down. We, we really try to have meals like at the table with candles lit whenever possible. Oh, I love that. You know, I, I try to always have something clipped from the garden in a mason jar on our table for dinner if we can. We bought last year, one of my goals last year was to upgrade our Target China <laughs> to something a little bit more lovely. So we eat on Pottery Barn China now with gold enamel flatware every night and my three-year-old trying to fork his mac and cheese with 
golden and old flat words, humorous. But I'm like, you know, those are. I grew up as a high level athlete. I was a gymnast who trained 24 to 30 hours a week from probably age 12 on. Wow. And my gym was an hour away. So I would walk about a mile and a half to school every morning, usually not see anyone when I woke up because my dad had a business and my mom would often be sleeping still. And I would walk to school and then I would get picked up at three. I would have dinner in the car. We would drive an hour to practice from four to nine. I'd get picked up at nine if I wasn't carpooling with a teammate. I would have a second dinner because I'd be starving, drive home in the dark and get home, do my homework, go to bed by 11, 12, and then wake up and do it again. Wow. I don't have any memories of family dinners, conversations about how my day was, just any of those like things you see in traditional sitcoms of Mm. like what life looks like. Not that what life looks like in a sitcom is like what you should strive for, but just those things that I think make kids feel safe and comfortable and fulfilled. I just don't think I had those. And I, I don't blame my parents. I'm not angry about it. I think a lot of the things I learned through sports have made me into who I am today. But when I think of what I want to give my kids as the one who spends the most time with them, there's a lot of changes that I've made and that I work really hard to stick with. So for example, I make it a priority to be at the bus stop when my kid gets off the bus. Mm -hmm. And I'm three weeks in, so it sounds ridiculous. But you know, I'm there and I'm focused and sometimes I'm the only parent and I bake him cookies every day after school until maybe the dentist says not to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and I I make sure I ask him open-ended questions. So not, did you have a good day at school where he can say yes or no, but how was your day at school? Mm -hmm. And what was the thing that you learned today? And when we have dinner, we turn off the TV Mm -hmm. and we put on, you know, Frank Sinatra or whatever. When we go to bed at night, you know, even if I'm doggone tired, like, we're going to do our prayers and you're going to tell me one thing you love about your brother, Lachlan, and Everett, what's one thing you love about your brother? Oh my like God. We're going to do it every night, even if we're fighting and having a hard day, because I want those things to stand out to my kids when they're older. And I want them to remember that the things that we valued were just so much greater than schedules and commitments and sports and whatever else I feel like can really take away from the good stuff in life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I feel like at home... I try to be really focused on my kids and I'm not perfect at it. I try to really illustrate the art of apologizing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another thing I think was missing from my upbringing. There was, there was never an apology that anyone ever shared with anybody. And that just really stood out to me. And I think that's a quality that we need to really embrace is admitting when we're wrong. So Mm -hmm. I try to, if I lose my temper with my husband, which he's, he's, if you're Enneagram friendly, he's a nine and I'm a two, three. Oh, I'm like a poke the bear, like, what's the matter? Let's talk about it. You seem upset. I'm not liking how you're doing that. And he's a keep the peace, never going to say a word about anything that's bothering me. So a lot of times I'm the one stuck saying, hey, I'm really sorry I raised my voice there. Or I say that to my son too, like, I'm really upset that you did X, Y, and Z, but my response to that shouldn't have been what I did. So I'm really sorry. And I'm seeing now that he's starting to really reciprocate in that Mm -hmm. same way from what I've taught him is he will drop something or get upset and do something. And then he'll reflect and say, Hey mom, I'm really sorry that I did that. And I'm like, okay, my work here is done. So yeah, I think, I think trying to find that balance between, okay, professional hat on when I go to work, Mm -hmm. here are my professional goals. Here's what fulfills me. Here's how I financially contribute to my family. Mm -hmm. But then 
knowing when to take that hat off and put on the next hat so that I can love my family well and love my family in the best way for us. Because what we do isn't right or wrong. It's just the best way in our house. And I think that's, we've talked about that a bit before in private, but this like paralyzed fear of doing it wrong Mm -hmm. because someone else said it was right the way they did it. And I'm like, to heck with that. Like, do it your best way. And maybe maybe you can't greet your kid when they get off the bus, right? So mm-hmm. you find another way to love your kid and make sure that they feel valued. And exactly. maybe you don't want to light candles around your dinner table because you have five kids and there's <laughs> there are crazy activities going, you know, going on and you feel like a taxi cab driver and a shuttle service. So maybe there's something, maybe you go on vacations four times a year because you financially can afford that. I don't, I don't know what it is for everybody, but I've just really had to lean into the simple ways that work in our life and the best ways that work in our schedule to raise our kids and make them feel loved in the way that feels right for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the key to all of it is understanding that there's no one size fits all, recognizing that it's going to look different for everyone, and then finding what your way is. And on that note, I'd love to hear a little bit of the the nuts and bolts behind the scenes of how exactly you run two businesses with kids that, you know, are home. Your little one is only in school, did you say three days a week? And yeah. so you've you've it sounds like you really do have to be a time magician. So what are some of your favorite tools and strategies for doing all that you do? I think one of the hardest things about having kids and working is that your seasons are are always changing. So up until this year, our kids were both at the same preschool. So drop-offs, pickups, rules of what they could wear to school, bring to school, their nap bags, how they were fed throughout the day, that was just consistent for both kids. So we know whatever we did for one kid, we did for the other. Within reason, of course, right? Now there's just two completely different schedules and different needs that it's just requiring a little extra effort to manage each day in the best way. So a couple different things. In our home, we have a not really like a command center, but I have a giant wall calendar from Lindsay Letters and it's it's beautiful. So I don't feel like it's some awful office depot like Oh yeah. Her calendars are beautiful. I'll have to link to them in the show notes because they really are just so pretty. They are. And I I we had one from Target for a while that was really small and I just felt like I was always trying to write really small words to fit in. And I'm like, this isn't working. And I didn't want to pay for a big one. And then finally I'm like, you know what? I just need to take the plunge and like buy it. And I'm so glad I did. It's right when you come in off of our garage. And then underneath of it, I have this like beautiful wicker. It's like a shelf, but it's wicker. So it kind of matches our home decor. And on it is where we put masks because my kindergartner has to wear a mask on the bus and at school. So all his clean masks sit there. And then there's a pen so you can add things to the board, a dry erase pen, and then our car keys. So it's kind of like a drop shelf, but it's not so big that everything can get dropped on there. So it's like it's got a capacity limit. Yeah, it lends itself to not being overly cluttered because there's just no yes. room. Well, because my husband would put his entire life on that shelf if it was big enough. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I'm like, this is good. This has like a capacity and will prevent you from putting all your things on it. But that calendar, I'm in charge of manning it. I'm like our home secretary. And on that calendar, everything goes on there. Doctor's appointments. If there's a day where I have a work responsibility outside of childcare hours, 
where I might need my husband to step in or balance out our care, that's put on the calendar so that he's aware something is coming up. Birthdays are put on there. Special anniversaries are put on there. Sports schedule. So our oldest son just started soccer and then he'll start very, very part-time gymnastics class that he's doing. And that gets changed from month to month. And at the bottom of the calendar, there's a blank space for it. It says notes on the calendar, but I put month by month like monthly magic, I call it. And those monthly magic items are just brainstorms of things that are seasonal to the month. So in Michigan here, we get four very distinct seasons. So September magic, for example, might be going to the apple orchard. It might be the changing of the leaves. It might be, you know, going into the woods more because now it's not so hot here. It could be celebrating our anniversary because we were married in September. Different things in each month, going to get our Christmas tree in November, doing an Easter egg hunt and, you know, around Easter time, celebrating a birthday and maybe, you know, rewarding our kids with something that they've really wanted for a long time. I love this. So I have to ask, do you have all of the monthly magics written down somewhere? Or do you just, okay, it's September now. Let me jot down a few ideas that I can think of right now. Yep. Totally just jotted down as I'm filling out. Love it. Low pressure. Just whatever pops up. Whatever pops up. And you know what? And if something comes up and we add to it, then that's great too, right? Or if something doesn't feel like it fits, I give myself the permission to erase it too, right? Like if we're like, you know what? September is too crazy. And you know what? It's really hot. I don't want to go to the apple orchard with 500 other families. Like, let's just erase that. And maybe we try it in October. Or you know what? Maybe we go to the grocery store and get our apples this year. I don't know. (laughs) Let's just give ourselves the grace to like change our mind. And that's okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's, that's very wise. Yeah. So we, that calendar is, I mean, it's so simplistic, but it's really a godsend. And I love where it is because Mm -hmm. as we're going out the garage door, like I can glance at it, but I also just... I can get really overwhelmed with the idea and the pressure of the world selling me systems to make my life easier. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just overcomplicate like the way of getting from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Productivity for the sake of productivity instead of reaching a purposeful end goal. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are we doing? So I'm like that wall calendar and my phone calendar, good old email. I'm a huge note taker. So like my to-do list for the day is... (laughs) It <laughs> sounds so awful. It's literally done on computer paper with a pen. Oh, I love that. I like a blank sheet of white computer paper can be your yes. best friend. I just, I love it. Yep. I love it. And when everything on that list is crossed out, like I've been operating off the same to-do list since Monday and I have like three more things on it, like that's going to go in the trash. Mm-hmm. And if there's something, I actually did a whole blog post about how I not manage my time. I can't remember what I called the blog post, but somebody had asked me like, well, how do you keep track of this and keep track of that? Well, I do use Google Docs for like contracts and like proposals with clients, but unless there's something that needs to be transferred somewhere more permanent, Mm -hmm. it's, if it's done and like crossed off the list, then like I throw it out. Yeah. Yeah. Same with an email. Like if an email has been responded to and there was an action taken from whatever the email was about, like it's going in my trash. I'm not saving it in my inbox. I'm not filing it away unless there's like a paper trail that's necessary Mm -hmm. or something that's like legalistic. Like there's no reason to just like keep it, you know? Completely feel you. Keep the things that actually matter. Yeah, exactly. And that's like with mail, right? Like my husband gets all these things in the mail and he'll just save like piles and piles of mail. And I'm like, just, if you don't need it, just 
throw it out. Like, let me throw it out for you. You know, I'm like two different types of managing clutter in our relationship. <laughs> but I'm just a big advocate of like keeping it really simple, knowing what you need to get done, putting it on the calendar if there's a date that it needs to get done by. If you sense needing a system for something, find somebody that can help you manage that. Mm-hmm. And then use all that other free time to like do the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Use the free time to do the good stuff. So are you also putting things like work deadlines on the Lindsay Letters calendar or do you have those somewhere else? Yeah, so those are usually in my personal calendar on my phone. I used to be a big paper planner gal, Mm -hmm. but a lot of things will be like I'll make a meeting while I'm out or I'll be on a phone call. Like I do a lot of phone calls in the car when I'm driving places. Yeah, that's that time magician stuff. (laughs) Yes. Whether that's catching up with a friend and making sure someone feels like I'm paying attention to them in a relationship, whether it's calling someone to ask them a quick question about an event coming up, whether it's changing a dentist appointment for the kids like I had to the other day. Like those are usually done in the car because that's time where I'm driving otherwise and would just be like listening to music or a podcast or whatever. So I don't often have like my planner or the capability to just like stop and write something in a little square. And an older version of me would just totally go against that and be like, oh, I would never put something in my phone calendar. But out of necessity, that's like what works best yet. So on the wall calendar, unless it's outside of, I think I mentioned this, unless it's outside of childcare hours, it goes on my calendar. But if it's something like a Saturday wedding or a mock-up that's going to be passed the time that the bus drops off my oldest, then then it goes on the calendar because then my husband needs to be in the loop about mm-hmm. something where I need his help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show.
So one thing that you just mentioned was that a lot yeah. of times when you're in the car, that's when you're doing phone calls, especially, yeah. and sometimes that's when you are making time for relationships. Yeah. When you're running two businesses, when you're running a household and taking care of your boys and creating a memorable childhood experience where they feel cared for and comfortable and loved and cultivating your relationship with your husband, it can, and maybe this is just me, but I find that it can be so challenging to really cultivate and maintain friendships. Uh, and especially in this, in this business world that we mm -hmm. live in, you know, there's, there's competition, there's comparison. We're very largely working on our own as solopreneurs. Can you speak to that a bit? Just the care and keeping of relationships. Yeah. And that's such a important conversation that I think, I don't know if we need to have more of these conversations or if we need to be cognizant of how we talk about these things online. I, I think relationships, friendships as women, once you're married and once you have kids are really tricky mm -hmm. because your time, like your, your relationships on this, the priority scale start to like dwindle the more you have personal commitments under one roof. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's tricky. Just having like a lack of time to invest in those relationships when you are the secretarial contact in your home, managing the lunches and the schedules and the laundry and the cleaning, the decorating, the birthday cards and whatever. But I think more than that, it's hard to find women who maybe have the same goals as you, almost as if you can't be close with women who are different in seasons of their life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have a lot of great friends who are moms who are also business owners, mm -hmm. but I don't have a ton of friends who are full-time stay-at-home moms or who are women without kids. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, there's only this middle part of the spectrum and we all kind of like stick together. And then there's these moms who are like all the stay-at-home moms stick together and like go to their play groups and do what they do. And then there's all these women who don't have kids who are just really focused on their corporate careers and climbing ladders and doing their thing. And it's like, we're not integrating with one another. Yeah. And I don't know like why that is. And then I almost sense that there's this like nobleness that comes from each group as if what they're doing and the choices they've made are the most selfless and the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every, and everyone feels like their choice and their way of life is the best you can say. Yeah, and it's and it's often said it seems and maybe I'll get some like mean DMs from people on this. But it's also I find discussed in this way of everyone's doing their best, but this is just my my way. What I think is right. Like, well, obviously you think it's right because you're doing you're it. You're doing it. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> well, like I get that, but like I see it a lot in the birth story sphere. Ah. So my, my oldest, both my kids were C-sections. My oldest was an emergency C-section. And I went through my entire pregnancy, like most pregnant women do, hoping for this birth that would be beautiful and lovely. And maybe like a monarch butterfly would fly across. And, <laughs> you know, I would, I would just be this like dewy pregnant woman who like didn't make any noise and I wouldn't need any medication. Right. And, like, would come out like two pushes and I'd have this beautiful flower robe on and my curls and like my 
<laughs> you know, like I just and the sun like would lightly feeling. caress your face through the windows. Yes, because yes. I my baby would be born in the magic hour. Yeah. yeah, right, middle of January snowstorm. Okay, so I just had this vision of like what would be most ideal for birth. Obviously, beyond a healthy baby and mm-hmm. me being healthy, and wanted to try and do everything I could to like control that and get that because that's what looked best and that's what looked noble and looked beautiful and looked yeah. strong. We all want to be these like warrior mamas, right? And when I wasn't that dewy pregnant woman, I'm far from it, and I was in labor for 24 hours and then got rushed into an emergency C-section because they thought my baby had died. Like there wasn't – like those things didn't even matter in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember going to a mom's group after my son was born, like a mom yoga group. And we had to talk about our birth experiences. And I remember our mom saying, I'm just so grateful I didn't end up in a C-section because I, you know, I got to have the natural birth that was best for me and my baby. Ooh. And I'm thinking, okay, her reality is her reality. Yeah. And that's awesome. But like we have to watch how we say things from this perspective of being like, oh, I see you over there, but let me just say what I think is best so that you might feel a little bit more inferior to Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. Or just Um, let me say it just so I can educate you so you can make a better choice next time. Yeah. And and I think it goes for not just like motherhood related topics, but just anything and the choices we make as women. Like it's so hard to be a woman today and it's so hard to be a working woman and a woman with kids and to like do all the things like It's not easy for anybody. It's not easy for you to manage your life with two kids. It's not easy for me to do all the things I'm doing. Like we get up and and it's hard. It's hard to make choices and it's hard to do what you think is the right thing. And we're we're truly all just doing our best. But I think if we just maybe like spoke out a little less about things and shared a little less opinions when it comes to things, I think we'd find space for – more people who are less like us to come together and and truly form what I think is the definition of community. Mm-hmm. Like community isn't only getting along with and supporting people who are just like you. Right, right. It's it's truly like when you look at a broad spectrum view of what it means to be a community, it's people who don't look like you, who don't have the resources you have, who don't believe the things you do, but there's still this mutual respect and understanding and compassion that you have for these peers around you coming together and lifting you up. That's that's what community is. And we've completely lost sight of that. And we're preaching these like community hashtags and these groups and these, you know, motherhood united and like mommy wine culture and like <laughs> all these things that I'm like, oh my gosh, we've completely lost our minds. Like get off Instagram and go like love your kids or love your husband or love your neighbors or, you know, do whatever you need to do. But like, let's not be so influenced by this app of squares on our phone Mm -hmm. that we completely lose sight of what these things mean. Yeah. Being so influenced by, like you said, these squares on our phone that aren't even reality most of the time. They're not. There's, there was a woman, a mom who I followed not too long ago who has two children and she has a business and bakes cakes beautiful cakes while her children are also at home and she has this beautifully decorated home and they go on vacations and they're always dressed impeccably. And for so long, I looked at this woman and just was absolutely perplexed 
How does she do it? What has she figured out that I haven't figured out? Why can't I do this? Like I, why can't I bake a beautifully decorated cake during nap time? I have to sprint to my computer during nap time to catch up on client work. What, what is she doing differently? Why is she so much better than me at this? And then she revealed that she has a full-time employee in her home to care for the children and care for the household and that she has had this person working in her home since her oldest was eight weeks old. Wow. And I completely, I was like, oh, and this is not me saying, you know, how dare she have help in her home outsource. I am 100% an advocate of outsourcing and getting things off of your plate. But I just felt that she had created this illusion. She had perpetuated this false reality of look at all the things that I do. And then you find out that it's because she's had full-time help taking care of her home and taking care of her children since her youngest was eight weeks old. And I just was done. <laughs> I was done. Well, and I, think, I think it's one thing to do all those things. Like that truly is some people's reality yeah. and what's important to them and what they like to do and how they choose to spend their time, right? The looking put together, the having the beautiful home, the doing the crafts, the all the thoughtful bits and pieces that like, I call it like the grand millennial mom who's just like, Betty Crocker with an apron on and hair pinned up and like everything's put in place and my kids are perfect and eat vegetables at every meal. Like there are some people that are truly like that. Yeah. I think the problem is when those people promote it as being something they like almost deserve more than the next person and work exceptionally hard at when there's things below the surface that aren't resources everybody else is entitled or able to secure. Yes. So, and, and like this woman, right? Like do all those things. That's great, but don't do all those things. And then talk about those things as if like you don't have help because then that makes somebody else feel like, well, it's like the people who get tummy tucks Ah. and then you're like before and after. And you're like, I am busting my butt at orange theory five times a week, cutting calories. haven't gone near a carb in a month. And like, I don't look like that. And it's like, no shame in the tummy tuck. I would love one after two giant babies. But like <laughs> when you're doing your before and after and you're failing to disclose that, that you the had a middle, the middle of the before yeah. and after involved a tummy tuck. I know it's like, I just wish we could be a little bit more real. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but, but I think people feel like they're being real just in the in the process of sharing, like that's enough. Like just me showing up is enough. And sometimes it is, but like you can't be deceptive in your sharing just to have this like authentic persona. Uh Like if you're going to have this authentic persona, you have to really watch how you say things and the way in which you share things. And I, I just think social media has created a very slippery slope of and I don't do it perfectly. I'm trying to figure it out and trying to figure out yeah. how to show up and what to say and who I want to be portrayed as and how who I am online aligns with who I really am offline. It's a it's a loaded question and I, I don't have the answers and I don't have, you know, the right or wrong way to do it. But I think we just have to be a little more thoughtful, especially in the last year mm-hmm. and the climate of things, just being a little more thoughtful about what we say and how we say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Intentional in what we're saying and how we say it and thinking about almost the legacy Mm -hmm. that we are creating through Mm -hmm. through how we are presenting ourselves 
mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Not just online, but in person, of course, but combining those elements of intentionality and legacy whenever we whenever we show up. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a I mean, not to make this a social media episode, but there's just so much about social so many layers to social media. And then I start thinking about like kids in social media. Yeah. And it's just it's it feels like a very overwhelming world to have my toes in, let alone think about my kids dipping their toes in one day. And I just it feels like a tool that should be used as such. And just like you would not use a hammer to flip your grilled cheese, right? <laughs> like it's a tool to be used in the right context. And when we don't use the tool in the right context, it has consequences. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just trying to be very self-aware of that. And that's different than, you know, the read two years ago. I, I used to be a very big oversharer on social media because that was that was like what people were doing, right? To mm-hmm. be approachable and to be relatable and to get more followers and engagement. Like you shared things. You shared your home and you shared your thoughts and opinions and you shared your vacations and your struggles and tied it up with like a pretty filtered, like slap Valencia on it. You're good to go. <laughs> And it's like, okay, that worked for a season, but now like I want to be a little more thoughtful Mm -hmm. of who I am now and the version of myself and who I want to be and that context of that legacy right now that my little people are growing up and have personalities and interests and friends. Like we have to always be cognizant of the seasons we're in and the changes we're going through and how that relates to what we're sharing because the way we used to do things isn't going to always work moving ahead. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyways, I have a lot of thoughts on social media, if you can tell. And and I just think sometimes it's good to just like just not be online sharing them and just to like internally process them and really listen to my gut on what I'm feeling. So mm-hmm. I think one of the I think one of the best pieces of advice that I received years and years ago was you don't have to share every thought that pops into your head. And as an extrovert, sometimes I really want to do that, but you don't have to. <laughs> You don't have to. Sometimes you can just sit with things. Sometimes you can process things yourself or with a good friend or your husband before you process publicly. So, well, and what, what is the motivation for sharing that outwardly? Yeah. Like I always try to think about that. What's the why behind it? Yeah. I want to share this thing. Okay. Well, why? What are you hoping to get out of that? Mm-hmm. I, I've been reading. I need to finish the book. I've been not great about reading in the season, so I would like to improve on that. But I've been reading Dave Ramsey's daughter's book. It's a, Gosh, the title's escaping me right now. But it's about how you spend your money. And she talks about how if, if, you were, if you're considering buying something, would you still buy it if no one but you would ever see it? Oh, And I was like, ah, ouch. Like, again, my ego hurts so bad hearing that. Like, because you think about things, and this is so bizarre if you were to tell this to somebody who doesn't have Instagram and who's not in a creative-driven industry. But, like, I used to buy things and be like, this is going to look so good in an Instagram picture. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have shame in saying that, right? Because I I do have a beautiful home, and I have worked hard to curate a space that I love because I'm here all the time. And, you know, in winter, we have, like, 37 months of consecutive winter. So I <laughs> it's like, like in Louisiana, we have 37 months of consecutive summer. Yeah. So you're outside. So you have, maybe you have nice patio furniture. I don't know. But I, that question is like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? And I'm like, okay, like th- there's a way to save some money, Reem, because 
I can start thinking a little bit differently about purchases I make and where my money goes when it comes to the intention behind why I want to spend it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what if we applied that same way of thinking to how we share? Yeah. What am I trying to get by sharing out of this picture? Am I trying to share how good I look? How skinny I look? How am I trying to show everyone what a good mom I am? And am I trying to show everybody, you know, how great I am at business? How much money I made this quarter? What's the motivation? My vacations are how like how put together I am. Am I trying to or on the flip side, am I trying to show how imperfect I am so that people praise my vulnerability? Uh Am I trying to bring people together and like get the accolades for that like you know, that big job of being the connector. Like what is, not that these things are like bad, but I think when we're really self-aware of the intention behind our actions, we have a better sense of if we should even do those things. And if the answer is no, you should not do that thing. Boom. You just saved 20 minutes. Don't do it. Uploading it. (laughs) And then on the flip side, like one of the biggest time suckers I've realized in the last couple of years, and I spoke with a friend about this today is engaging in the comments section on any social media post. Do not go there. It is just grounds for chaos and controversy. Oh, you mean you mean like controversial posts with all the comments? It, just anything, right? Like yeah. when somebody, I mean, maybe not like a crowdsourcing question, like, hey, the best place to get dinner in Seaside. But like <laughs> when people post something about their opinion and then someone in the comments section hidden behind their screen that they feel like is a weapon, we'll just be like, well, I, I – respectfully disagree and here's why da, 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 da. Mm, like got it you're not going to change anybody's mind in the comment section no especially when you're strangers on the internet sorry yeah so save yourself some time and if you really have a, a personal issue with someone pick up the phone i like that that takes a lot of emotional maturity to call someone and be like hey i have this problem and it's bothering me i've had people do that to me and it sucks i've done it to people it equally sucks mm-hmm. but like that's how we are responsible adults and yeah. that's how we really cultivate change in our communities when you can have those conversations instead of these passive aggressive nasty back and forth comments on someone's social media post that they constructed in a very specific <clears throat> way. So anyways, not to hijack this <laughs> well, you got you heard it here. The number one tip for saving time with social media is do not engage in comment battles. Don't do it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This conversation has been so full. So just, I I am beaming over here because (laughs) I knew that this conversation would go all over the place in the best way, just because you have such great experience. You have such an incredible perspective with what your, what your career has looked like so far, what growing your family and creating the, the experience of family for them is like, and how you do all the things that you do. And I knew that so much of what you would share and what we would talk about today would be just incredibly impactful for anyone who is listening. So I just have to give you a really big thank you for giving your time today to it's about time. And I know that everyone is going to be super interested in keeping up with you and seeing what you're doing and hearing about the next launch of RB SoCo. So please tell us where can we find you and how can we stay in touch? So I I love this question, Anna, but I also feel like I don't want to perpetuate all the things I just said and say like, go follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Like it feels very contradictory. But if you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's just Rhiannon Bossy. 
I have made a shift in the last year to really be mostly focused. It's like 90, 10, 90 work, yeah. 10% personal. I just want to be very respectful to my kids as they get older and like not creating some persona to 50,000 people of what I think they should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want them to grow up and like create that. Th- on Craft their own. their own identity. Yeah. So I try not to share too much personal stuff anymore. Also just from a place of like protecting that and keeping that close. And so it's a lot of work stuff, a lot of flowers. The soap account is RB Soap Co. So just the letter R, the letter B, and then Soap Co. But if anyone like resonates with something or has something to add or, you know, lives in the area or whatever, like email me. I think old fashioned email is the best way to get in touch with somebody yeah. instead of a DM or a comment. And like, don't follow me just because you heard me talk. Like, <laughs> you know each other. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm not like a surface level kind of gal. So that's my best answer to that question. Sorry. I, I feel you. I always feel so awkward saying, follow me. And so my go-to lately has been, come be my friend. Let's have a conversation. Because that's what yeah. I, I mean, that's what we're looking for. That's how we've, you know, really cultivated our friendship from Michigan to Louisiana since yeah. in the past year that we've met. And so it's all about, you know, using it to create relationships. And I'll say this, I'll also be sure to link your website in your blog. And I'm going to track down that blog post about managing time that you put together, because I think that would be really interesting to share as well. So I will make sure that all of this is in the show notes. So you guys can go and have that conversation with Re and talk with her about motherhood and business and being a time magician. And again, Re, thank you so, so much for such a wonderful conversation. I'm so thankful for you. Oh, thanks for having me and letting me uh, word vomit out all of my thoughts <laughs> on all of the things. And I hope that, you know, just somebody hears this conversation and thinks like, okay, I'm, I'm normal. Yeah. That's, that's like the goal, right? And you're yeah. not alone and no one's, no one's got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. We're all just doing our very best with what we have in front of us. And that's, that's enough some days. Yeah. That's okay. That's enough. That's enough some days. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Anna. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Re, learning from her, considering your own perspectives about friendship and different stages of life, how you're showing up online, and what kind of memories you want to create for yourself and your family. You can visit links to the resources that Re mentioned, including that wall calendar by Lindsay Letters, by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 103. Before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 104, is all about gratitude. Studies have shown that a regular gratitude practice, even a simple one, can significantly increase well-being and life satisfaction. But let's be real, our to-do lists are long and carving out more time for something like a daily gratitude practice can feel impossible when there's so much else on our plates. If you've ever felt that way, join me next week for episode 104, when I'll be sharing three super simple ways that you can start your own gratitude practice. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. 
Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.